Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cuno. You guys, I can't believe it's already May. Such a busy summer gearing up. I have so many things going on. Weddings, parties, all that fun stuff. What do you guys have going on? Well, in July, I'm headed to the NFB convention down in New Orleans. I'm looking forward to that in person this year. So the dates on that is uh, July the 5th through the 10th. Ooh. That is so exciting. It's happening in person. ACB is happening in person this summer. I'll be heading to AER International, which is going to be in St. Louis this summer. Um, So really getting to connect with other colleagues and professionals, but other clients. Um, I'm so excited to like be in the same room as other people. (laughs) Yes, it is so nice that things are like finally getting back to normal and being able to interact and hang out with people. And Timothy, you're going to be in New Orleans during my birthday, so you're going to have to celebrate for me. Oh, I'll I'll, I'll drink you a drink there. All right. I'll drink you a drink. Perfect. (laughs) Wait a minute now, Timothy. I'm expecting you to be at a booth a couple days here and there. Oh, yeah, I'll be in a booth for Leader Dog. I'll drink drink an extra coffee for you there. Thank you. You know how much I love coffee. That's right. You guys can talk on the side about your alternate plans. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, you'll be working. No, I'm just kidding. I hope you enjoy the conference. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I hope everybody who is listening, do check out these conferences. They're really uh, informative. It's a great way to learn about other resources. And it's also just a really great way to connect with other individuals, kind of going through the same things um, and share resources. So highly encourage it. I know I myself, I'm really excited again to get back out there and meet people and do all the things that were so normal, what, just two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm excited about is going to be me and Glacier's first trip by ourselves. (gasps) Because I got her and the pandemic hit like four months later. So this will be our first trip, just me and her. So it's going to be exciting because we've never had that journey together. And uh, I'm going to see how she does. It's going to be great. Yeah. And I bet you you're going to meet some other people who have guide dogs there as well. Well, yeah, that. If I'm at the leader dog booth, everybody can come by and say hello. And and, uh, we'll talk about how great leader dog is. (laughs) Timothy, you're such a great ambassador for leader dog. I know. We are so thankful. (laughs) So lucky to have you. And I bet that's going to be a really good topic, Timothy. I wonder if there'll be some sessions on that of people, you, you know, What did people do during the pandemic if you couldn't get out and do routes and exercise with your dog and all those types of things? And or people who got their dogs right before the pandemic or even during, like how did people maintain those skills? You'll have to report back because now you've got me thinking. I'm so curious to hear what others have been up to. Yeah, I will do that. Good. All right. We are so excited today because on today's episode, we're going to talk about some really difficult topics, such as what happens when a guide dog gets too old to work and goes into retirement, or also what happens when a dog passes away and clients have to prepare for a replacement dog. These can be incredibly difficult times for our handlers and their families. Joining us to discuss this is Lori Craig. Lori joins us not only as a leader dog graduate herself, but also a licensed psychologist with over 34 years of experience. Lori has worked in private practice along with work with agencies throughout her professional career. And we are so fortunate that Lori shares her experience with us and volunteers with Leader Dog to help clients with grief, adjustment, and the transition between guide dogs. Lori, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey with Linus? 
Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, yes, I was born with congenital cataracts, had them removed as an infant, and spent the majority of my early life with functional vision, always, of course, being legally blind, um, received assistance throughout school and college. And in my early 20s, because of the cataract surgery, I have glaucoma as a result and have had several surgeries and what have you through the years. But it wasn't until mm, about 2008, a little before that, that I lost the majority of my vision retina detachments and a few other things. And so at that time, I did some cane training, looked into leader dog. And I then, after my O&M training, then I went to leader dog and got my first dog, a golden retriever named Caitlin, and had her for almost 16 years and I worked her until she was 13 and she was the love of my life. Wow. She worked a long time. Fabulous. Oh, she was, she was special. Yeah. Lori. So how did you originally hear about leader dog? My sister worked there. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, and I, I live, um, about 20 miles north of Rochester. So in fairness, I've always heard about leader dog, (laughs) you know, so yeah, but my sister worked there for 12 years. So I was on the campus, saw the early beginnings and yeah, yeah. So always um, interested and it took, I will say though, it took me a while to be convinced that, uh, you know, one using a cane was difficult, and then do I want a dog? And so, yeah, it was the best thing I ever did in my life. So, so happy to hear you had a leader dog connection, a personal connection. It's so funny how small of a world it is sometimes, and all of the little connections that are there. You know, another important thing that we hear all the time is that clients, like you mentioned, you, you know, traveling with a cane is really hard, but also so many clients feel like they don't deserve to come to Leader Dog because they still have some remaining vision. Is that something that you felt as well? Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, I think the difficulty is like I have a, a small amount of vision, a slight amount of vision, I should say, in my right eye, and it's mostly peripheral vision. And I use that amount of vision. I mean, I struggle to use that amount of vision. So the idea that, you know, you don't have much vision, so you just don't use it. No, we use any thread of vision (laughs) that you have left. I mean, that's just our instinct to do that. But then you know, once you connect and once you see how important that dog is or a cane, whatever, you know, works for that individual, certainly. But for me, the connection with Caitlin, my first dog, it was just incredible. You know, it's hard to put words to because it's such an intimate relationship. I mean, like really like no other. Absolutely. And that's such a long time to be together probably one of the longest working guide dogs that I've heard of, and then to, to live to 16, which is incredible. Can you tell us, you, you know, you've talked so 
passionately about Caitlin. What was that like when you had to retire, Caitlin? Oh, my goodness. Um, it was very, uh, well, it, it, I cried, <laughs> putting it very <laughs> bluntly. It felt, and, and, you know, something that really occurred to me, and I have talked to, uh, about it with a couple of other people as well, is that feeling um, that, oh, my goodness, I'm going backwards. I don't have the vision I thought I had because we were one when we worked. Um, so she, in essence, um, enabled me to feel that I had more vision than I actually did, more usable functional vision because she, she was there. She knew. I mean, I, uh, where I used to live and she would walk me, we would go to work every day. Um, I could tell her, Caitlin, we're going to the dentist, to Dr. Vankers, and she knew. She knew how to get there. So she really added to your confidence and made you feel added, like you, you had more. Me. So oh. that feeling of not having her and, you know, to work with me was, I just, it was overwhelming, to be very honest. Um, it was learning things over again that before I got another dog and then the feelings of, um, in, in my transition group, we talk a lot about the guilt I felt, um, that, Oh, how could I get another dog? Nobody will replace her. She, she was my soulmate, if you will. You know, we use those terms with, um, relationships and, and, that, you know, I've heard other people express that as well. There's so many feelings attached with that transition of deciding to get another dog and how difficult that is, the sense of, oh, betrayal and how, and if you are able to keep your dog, which many, many people cannot, they either, you know, if their dog hasn't passed away, then they have to relinquish that dog to someone else to give that dog to someone else. And that's a loss, a tremendous loss. And, and the feelings that are associated with that. So what is that transition like? You're putting your trust into a new dog and hopefully they can pick up where your other dog was. What was that like? And you know what? And they don't right away. When I experienced getting my second dog, which I had an experience when I went for my second dog and I did, uh, I went to campus and, and got my dog. And unfortunately, uh, two months after I got her, she did not work out. So that's, and that does not happen on, you know, we all know that's not the norm, but it does happen mm-hmm. that the dog just isn't, that perfect fit. And as a result, this dog um, was a career change dog. But when I was in training with her, it was very difficult. It, it felt like starting over in many ways, at least, but I did have the skills. And that's something, you know, obviously, when you first start out with your first dog, you don't have, but you have the skills, but you're trying to bond. And that, that, 
you know, it doesn't come immediately. It doesn't. It's um, it's a process, and it's it's a little different for everyone, certainly. Absolutely. And when you have such a strong connection and a long relationship with a first mm-hmm. guide dog, they say the second one is the hardest, right? Because you almost don't remember it what it was like when you first started with your first guide dog and how difficult it was and how much time it took to learn one another. You just remember the good times and when you were a seamless team. So starting over with that second dog is often really difficult um, because it is a lot of work and you kind of forget about that. But really quick, I do want to go back because you mentioned a really good point, Lori, about uh, many times when people are transitioning from their first to second dog or third to fourth, whatever it is, that sometimes people can't keep their previous dog. And the reason for that could be a couple different things. It could be one that they live in housing where they can only have service animals. And once a dog is retired, they are no longer a service animal, they're a pet. So they may not be able to keep them in their house anymore. Another reason is maybe you can't financially support two dogs. That can be uh, quite the burden on somebody. So there's many different reasons as to why somebody wouldn't be able to keep that previous dog. And I also want to mention that those dogs always find a loving home to go to. So many times it's with a close friend or family member so that that client can still um, be engaged and interact with the dog as regularly as possible. But if that's not an option either, or sometimes even clients do pass away and they have the dog and nobody can care for the dog, leader dog will always take dogs back, always. And so recently we even had a uh, leader dog return after being out working, I think for almost eight, nine years. And she came back to us. And what's really nice is that we have so many team members who will house those dogs while we wait to find them a home um, so that they're not going back into that uh, the Canine Development Center just because they've been used to being in homes for so long. But of course, what typically happens is those team members fall in love with that dog and then they end up adopting the yes. dog. So <laughs> I just want to be clear that there are a couple of reasons why somebody wouldn't be able to keep their dog, not just that they don't want it anymore, because that's usually never the case. Yes. Because um, as you can hear, Lori mentioned, what a bond that people have. So let's talk about that transition period just a little bit more between the second and third or first and fourth and all of those different things. So Lori, can you tell us a little bit more? How do you know or how do you talk someone through a retirement of a guide dog? What are some signs? What are some things that you give clients as advice or things to look for? Usually what people uh, will say is that they they right away have a sense. Um, so they most, you know, usually come to us and say, um, you know, they're just not responding in the way they used to. Um, they're hesitant to, uh, you know, get up and put the harness on like they used to get so excited. And they're not, it, they don't have that excitement anymore to work. Um, their pace is slower. Um, there's um, just the feeling, because there is such a connection between you know, the person and that dog, that I think most people have that sense of, you know, they're, they're ready. They're, they're just not, I'm not feeling that they want to work and I don't want to force them if they're not ready. And also there could be um, some physical signs. Maybe they're getting some arthritis. Um, you know, there's, there maybe need to go to the vet. So there can be, you know, we don't want to 
it's difficult to deal with. But yeah. but certainly dogs dogs get ill just like people do. Yes. And so there are many things that can contribute even in a younger dog. Yeah. So definitely a, di- a variety of different signs. And me personally, I know yeah. my personal dog. I mean, I don't have a guide dog. My personal dog, I can tell, you know, when right. he's not feeling good and that sort of thing. But Lori, can sure. you tell us more about your role at Leader Dog and the transition groups that you run? Yes. Uh, for every um, class that comes in, we have a voluntary transition group and that is for people who would like to share their stories and connect with other people um, on the difficulty of one getting a new dog um, to talk about what they're going through in the, with the loss of their dog so it's for people who are you know getting it that their new dog not first-time people, but um, someone who's getting, you know, I've had people anywhere from their second dog to their third or fourth or fifth dog, you know, or more than that even. So, yeah, and we share, we share, everybody has a story and they want to talk and share their feelings and it's, everything is confidential, obviously. Yes, that is amazing. Timothy, did you know about these different types of groups and things that leader dog has? Uh, I heard there was some kind of grieving process while I was up there, but I really never investigated in, into it because, you know, I was getting Glacier. She was my first dog. So oh, that was way down dog. the line. Sure. Right. She's my first right. dog. So yeah. um, it, it's great that that's there for us because, you know, these dogs mean everything to us. These things are, these dogs are our, our mobility, our independence and everything. And Absolutely. to lose one, it would be just, Terrible. So my question is, how does someone cope with that loss? Well, when dog it, passes away. Oh, it, yeah. It, it's it, you cope. Everyone deals with grief a little bit differently, but we all go through the stages of grieving. You know, the loss, the the um, frustration, the anger, the all of those stages, as as you do with a, any loved one. A family member, you know, it isn't any different. In fact, in some ways, it can be even more difficult. And I say that because of, you know, we all know very well-meaning people who sometimes will say things that they think are helpful, but actually are not, Um, such as, well, you know, you can get another dog. Or, well, you know, um, you'll feel better. It'll get better. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's just a dog. And, you know, so in a transition group, you're able to share your feelings with people who've had the same experience. You get the validation that, no, this is integral. This dog and I have an integral special relationship and it's going to take a long time it's going to take a while and you know yeah for many people they cannot just jump right in and say okay I'm getting another dog right now they need to process it 
So Lori, I think it's wonderful uh, what you're doing and helping us. And so I'm curious too, what do you tell clients or how do you uh, help clients through that comparison part of it, of comparing dog one to dog two or dog two to dog three and kind of all those what if questions? What I will will say is uh, we, we focus a lot on, you know, you remember your first dog and you'll never forget them and you can do things to keep their memory alive. And we talk about that, things that help with that process. But bringing that new dog into your life is, again, starting over and learning about the dog and its personality and spending time with them and looking at them. I mean, it's like comparing, you know, we don't, we try not to compare our children. Each one is different <laughs> if you have children, you know. Sure. So it is. It's a new beginning and getting to know them on a, on a level that you're learning all over again. You really are. Yeah. And Lori, for you in this volunteer role, I mean, what made you motivated to want to volunteer and help out other clients? Well, Leader Dog has given so much to me in terms of, you know, my first dog, Caitlin, going through the second, um, the one that didn't, unfortunately didn't work out. And then I have a pandemic dog, um, my newest one, who's just fabulous. And Leader Dog is, is such a fabulous organization and gives so much. I wanted to, and I'm retired now, and I wanted to know how I could give back and use my skills. And hopefully, help people. And in every class I get, believe me, I get as much out of it as, if not more, than the students that are there. Lori, we are so thankful to you uh, for for doing that role and helping other clients go through these processes, the grieving, the loss, the transition. It's very overwhelming. And I think it's wonderful to have somebody who's got a background and experience to talk about these things, but also personal real life experience that can share and really relate. So I want to thank you for being uh, so open with us today and sharing your experiences with us. And I also want to thank all of our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Christina Hepner and Timothy Cunio. We hope you enjoyed learning about dog retirement and loss. And please do join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.